Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, we have a very special guest, Therese Piccola. She's a mom of four that has actually been possessed by a demon and has had the experience of not only possession, but also exorcism. There was an article in the Catholic Register about it that you can look it up. The title is Wife and Mother of Four describes experience of possession and exorcism. And uh, Therese, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Deacon. Good to be here. Yeah, so I appreciate your story because it's not an easy one, to, ha- I'm sure, to have lived, let alone to kind of recant all the time. So I appreciate you doing this. And I thought maybe in the beginning you can talk a little bit about your story, kind of what you experienced in your childhood and what that kind of got you into later life, and then, you know, what you dealt with in your married life a little bit. Sure. So um, I want to first say, obviously, that some of the content I'm going to talk about is heavy, and um, so people should always enter into this in a a prayerful state of mind. Um, When I was a young child, I was actually abused. Um, That in itself, of course, would not cause possession in somebody, but Oftentimes what happens when, when we're abused or something, um, something evil happens to us, we, if we don't respond in the correct manner, we leave ourselves open to that weakness and to looking for things outside of the church. And that's exactly what happened to me. I um, became very interested in trying to um, create a fantasy life because I, I was so... Um, so afraid of the life that I was in, and, and I didn't know how to respond or uh, go to my parents and and express what had happened. I was afraid. Even at that young age, there was a fear in me of rejection. So we can kind of see where evil starts to spin. Um, even in even in the youngest age, uh, we were just talking before this about this book that came out for children about the demonic, and and it's not a surprise because really evil wants to to really connect with. Uh, you as young as possible and start creating that um, confusion and disorientation as young as possible to separate you from God. Um, And that's, again, what was happening for me. So I became very interested in um, things like seances and hypnotism. And we're talking at uh, maybe nine, ten years old, where we really didn't have an understanding of what we were doing entirely, but there was enough of a curiosity to open it, um, up that door and a, and a fascination with being in outside of ourselves and, and being in this like kind of fantasy type world. Um, it led into other things playing. Uh, a lot of kids have done this. I know a lot of even my friends growing up did this game where you, you try to conjure up a spirit in, in, a, in a mirror. Um, I don't want to really go into details because sure, I don't want anyone sure. to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, good idea. But, yeah, but, um, but and then if you see something, then there's all this other stuff that happens. And, and so there was these little things happening, little sprinkles of things happening as I was, as I was getting more uh, interest in, in becoming more fascinated by these things. Um, but I didn't really know how to address it. And I kind of was um, getting pulled into it because again, it was pulling me away from this other uh, icky stuff that was happening in my life that I didn't want to address. And then when I was 13, 14 years old, I entered into at the time what I thought was a relationship um, and later only understood it to be rape because it was a a man, uh, he was 19 years old. 
uh, he was doing other things to children as well that I wasn't aware of at the time. And, um, and so in that relationship and what people don't understand is that becomes like a soul tie when you're in this long standing relationship intimately with somebody. And so some of that stuff that he was doing was really kind of projecting itself onto me as well. And because I was in that weakened state and I wasn't, um, I wasn't going to, I was going to church. I wasn't going to confession regularly. I hadn't confessed anything that I was involved in or even addressed the issues of the things that had happened to me. So I wasn't living sacramentally. And I think that's what's most important for people to understand is that when we live within the sacraments and we have um, that grace, um, it's very hard for evil to really enter because there's really no space for it. But as you uh, fall out of grace and as you fall away from the church and you're, you're not consistent in that sacramental life, you're opening up that door um, for the evil one to enter. And um, I think a lot of people don't, at a younger age, it isn't really being taught well. So even though I was in Catholic school, I didn't have this understanding of how evil could enter into my life. Um, and we weren't, as a family, we didn't pray together because it was considered, I grew up in a time where prayer was considered personal and private. And um, I think a lot of people were going through the same experience. Um, people um, during that time of, of, we were in that kind of touchy-feely, everybody loves each other, but we don't talk about religion type of uh, time period. Um, right. And right. so um, there wasn't a strong foundation of family prayer, which I think is another thing that's um, detrimental, obviously, to children, is that if they don't have that foundation, they don't know where to turn to when something goes wrong. Um, and that certainly was happening for me. So this, so this was kind of the pattern that started. And then obviously, um, what, what happens with that is once you become sexually active so young and you have this distorted idea of what relationships are and, and people are saying they love you. And it's a very twisted, um, idea of what love would really be. It's not love at all. Right. That's kind of what I expected in life. So then I was looking for, uh, sexual relationships because, I thought that's what would get somebody to love me. So I was trying to, to pull people into these relationships. And, and I do take responsibility for that. And this is where I've taken responsibility for my part in it. I can't just put the blame on other things. But I, I was seeking this out, these relationships, because I wanted to somehow feel loved by somebody. Um, and so that's the promiscuity entered in and... Um, and then I found myself at 17 um, pregnant. And again, because I, I was so afraid of disappointing or, or getting in trouble or, or people thinking I was somebody that um, this, this terrible person, I didn't tell my parents. I didn't go to them for help. I didn't go to the church for help. I just, um, I just went right to Planned Parenthood. And, and uh, you know, that, that in itself was a it's like a transaction. I like to call it like you're going to the bank, you know, it's right. like you go you, right. and, and swapping of money. And, and before you know it, it's you're there and, and done before you even have time to think about it. Um, and that spiraled things um, in, in me into just, I mean, really, as I, I, I'll say, um, just even in pro-life talks, there's no, there's no coming back from, from abortion. It's you now you can, go through healing and, and it's a beautiful thing. But once you make that decision to do that, um, we're not prepared for what, what abortion does to us emotionally and spiritually. There's no way to prepare ourselves for that. So um, that really led me down a destructive path of, um, 
Um, just uh, suicidal um, tendencies and eating disorder um, and um, just self-loathing and really a deeper fascination with um, the occult really because I just didn't care. It just got to the point where in my mind I thought, okay, God just doesn't love me anyway. So I'm here and he created me. So he tolerates my existence. But what's the difference at this point? And it's all these lies that the evil one feeds us as we fall deeper into despair and separate ourselves from him. And, um, well, and you also, you also, you had a, uh, really, uh, I wouldn't call it strange, really almost a terrifying experience, right? Doing, was it a Ouija board or something like that? Yeah. So, so around that time, right after, not, not too long after I had an abortion, um, uh, my sisters and I, you know, we, I don't know, I'm assuming it was a gift. I have no idea. Someone in the house had a Ouija board uh, that must have been gifted to them. And so we decided we were going to try it out. And of course, you know, I was all for it because this was, again, a fascination. So, um, you know, shut all the lights off. It was late at night. And um, and we did it a couple of times. But the one time, I mean, it clearly something clearly happened on the board. It moved. Um, we all kind of jumped back and were a little bit in shock and, you know, oh, you did that. No, you did that type of thing. And, um, and we were, I think, spooked, but just like kind of laughed it off or whatever. But then like weird things started happening in our house and, and uh, you just can't make this stuff up. It was so bizarre. It was, uh, I would be sitting um, in my parents' room watching a movie and their shower would turn on. Um, Sink faucets would turn on and off. The TV would flick on and off. Um, my mom had, we were all out of the house and my mom had gone out and she came back and, and the furniture in our family room had moved. Um, the love seat was actually turned completely facing um, this big picture window. So like looking out the window, um, we'd hear footsteps on the stairs. There was a glass moved across the counter one time when we were all standing there. And I think the way we dealt with it, because it was so strange and, and, nobody really wanted to be honest about it, I think, was that we just said, well, you know, there was a lot of different um, sites of like battles and things in this area. So maybe, you know, we're on like unsettled ground or something, you know, and just kind of laughed it off with with like that nervous laughter of, oh, haha, yeah, that must be it. And then I went to bed one night and um, I saw like a, as I was getting ready to fall asleep, I saw like the shadow beneath my door and I thought maybe someone was just walking down the hallway. So I didn't even think about it. Um, and then there was like some rustling in my room while I had gone shopping. My sisters are younger. So I thought maybe they were going through my bags. So I kind of just rolled over and went to sleep. Um, but I woke up the next morning and the mirror in my room was cracked completely across, like a completely clean um, crack of, from, from side to side. Um, just very strange. It, and I, it definitely gave me a weird feeling, but I thought, okay, whatever, you know, haha, we'll just pretend it's that that didn't really happen type of thing. But and I and and that mirror ended up coming with me. Um, every time I moved, it stayed with me. And that mirror actually ended up coming into the house um, that I'm in presently, where we had a lot of um, um, problems when I was going through um, through my sessions. And but previous to that, we tied it back to the different children in the house who were having difficulties and that mirror being in the room where those children were as well. So, um, you know, objects can become cursed and, um, 
really what needed to happen was when that happened to my mirror, I needed, it needed to go. It needed to be, you know, destroyed, burned and destroyed. And, and I just, of course, at the time had no, no understanding of this. But when we discovered this, it's actually kind of a funny story because we were with my, um, the psychotherapist after a session and we were talking about the mirror and she said, you need to get rid of that mirror. And literally it was the, practically the middle of the night by the time we got home, it was so late. My husband marched up the stairs, <laughs> swung the door open, grabbed the mirror off the wall and just went and just went and threw it in the garbage. And the next morning, my son woke up and he said, where's the mirror? And my husband said, don't worry about it. <laughs> so, so it's, you know, we can laugh about it now, but at the time it was, it was, yeah, it wasn't funny at the time. And maybe that's, maybe that's no. a good place to jump to now. So now you're married with four kids and things are starting to manifest again, where you finally realize uh, there's, you know, eventually some kind of possession going on. Right. Right. Well, we had some things, some triggers early on in the relationship um, with pornography and some things that we weren't addressing. And I think, again, these little doorways of things that were opening and not being resolved. And um, I was, um, I was, you know, kind of, and, and I think some women would probably relate to this, especially when they're unhappy, is I was kind of living a certain life on the outside where people would look at me and say, oh, you're so wonderful and you're leading a good holy life. But inside, I was like not that person at all. I was really covering up. And, and I didn't even, I, I knew some of it was that because of all these things, but I couldn't really connect the dots and, and fully understand why I was trying to be so um, secretive about who I really was. And that's, again, those like kind of lies start to build up. Um, you know, the evil one wants to keep us in like this, this uh, dull state of mind, really. And um, yeah, so I was, it started with nightmares. My son, um, when he was young, was, ha was having them. And then I was having them uh, very demonic in nature. We had the house blessed. And then years later, not even realizing anything had really um, come from it. Um, years later, they started again. And they got really bad, very, very um, descriptive, like uh, things that you, I don't think I could make up if I tried. Right. And so right. he was really suffering through those. And um, we were advised to go talk to the parish priest, which we did. And then in doing that, he then um, went to, on to advise us to go speak to the exorcist that's um, in the diocese. So it really started with that. And, and that was like yeah, an eighteen month, eighteen month exorcism, right? This was over a long period of time. You had to keep going back, right? It it was. So he went. So first he was prayed over, and praise God, everything was okay with him. But um, but in the process of praying over him, some weird stuff started happening in me um, to trigger me, and I started um, feeling really sick, like almost like I had the flu, um, and having like just um, these like just all this anxiety and all this build up and I thought, Oh, it must be because I'm suffering for him. You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> like I'm so unfortunately you, you know, weren't that lucky. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, and then, and then I had this moment of clarity during a, a healing service where, um, I felt the Holy spirit really just say to me, it's you. And, and I, in that moment, I just knew if I didn't speak up that I was going to let it just go. And so I did. And, and that's what started the process for me. Um, they, it, it's a long process. It's not like all of a sudden you just go and, and start these sessions. It, it's you, you're, you know, you're prayed over. They, um, you know, the priest wants to know about your life inside and out. The therapist, um, you know, you're going for hours and hours of therapy and really determining um, 
where you're the state of, of where you're at in, in your um, faith and are you practicing, are you fulfilling the sacraments? Are you consistently going to confession? Are you, you know, do you have, um, is, do you have psychological issues? Are you um, uh, mentally unstable? Like, you know, right. there's, I mean, right. it's really, they do a very thorough examination of all these things, which is important because Oftentimes, it could be that we're just oppressed or that we're having some emotional issues, and um, and that can be cleared up. Um, so, so they set you on a path, really, of going to um, consistently to confession, praying as a family, going to Mass regularly as often as possible, not just, you know, weekly, but trying to get you to go, um, you know, during the week as well, if you can. So I was starting to do all these things, and but when they did pray over me, um, I... I started started to manifest quite um, pretty quickly. Um, so after doing this, after being um, going through deliverance prayers uh, several times, they determined that there was something more happening um, than just like someone who maybe is being oppressed by by something. So that's where um, they determined that I would need to go for a solemn rite of exorcism, and um, I. I so were there multiple demons yeah. in you that they end up finding, or was it just one? Or, yeah. So, yeah. no, there, I mean, and there was multiple, and really, this, there's a lot of layers to, to my Correct. particular case. Um, there was a curse um, in our family that was discovered. There was um, obviously these issues with the occult that had started when I was very young that I never really addressed, so they... Those were um, kind of festering in there. There was the abortion, obviously, which is obviously a very um, heavy thing. And, if, and and praise God, like many women go through through healing and, and kind of get rid of all those things that accompany um, what happens after abortion. I did not deal with all those things. I just dealt with the abortion itself, but not all the things that came with it. So th- there was there was a lot of layers to this, and this was a very deep-rooted thing. Um, it's... One thing I would say is, uh, you know, we talked about the occult, but another thing that I think is very important for people to understand is the idea of cursing somebody, because we don't realize, like, when we throw a curse out at somebody and we and we maybe say it half jokingly or whatever, demons are legalistic and they don't they don't really care what your meaning is. Um, they just care that you do it. So, um, so. Obviously, our family curse was much more rooted than than just a, someone throwing a curse out. But but, but still, that's I, a good point to make wanna... to let people know. Just don't joke around doing that stupid stuff. No, no, do not joke because the thing is, um, what we perceive same thing is like, oh, the Ouija board. It's fun. It's just a game. You know, we don't take it seriously, so it's fine. Again, it doesn't matter because because there's there's uh, the, this legalism, you know, legalistic quality of, of of demons, just as there are, you know, with saints and stuff. So it's it's like um, we when we open that door and, and 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 provide that invitation, it doesn't matter how we perceive it. It just matters that we've basically given them the invitation. So, um, well, that's so, all evil so. needs is an invitation. They don't care whether you meant it or not, right? They're just looking right. for those opportunities. And I think, it, and we talked about it before we went on air, uh, you know, it's important to let people know your case is very exceptional, right? That's mm-hmm. not going to happen to everybody. And, you know, just if you listen to exorcists, most of them say, look, if you go back to the sacraments, go to confession, go to mass, for the most part, that will help clear up things. Now, some are more extensive than that, but for most people, they don't have to go through what you went through. Is that correct? 
That's correct. I mean, I if you would have asked me a couple of years ago if you know about exorcisms, I would have been like, that stuff is a bunch of nonsense. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I just wasn't in a place to to you know and and um and so it's no, it's it's very rare for someone to go through the experience I went through. It doesn't mean it can't happen. And it and and more importantly, what we have to be cautious of is is temptations and living in sin. And so if we, if we, if we pay more attention to what's tempting us into committing, um, especially like repetitive sins, and we focus more on that and clearing those things out, um, then we're not putting ourselves in a position like I was placed in, um, you know, for, for myself. And it could happen. It, God allows things how he allows them, right? We we don't really know why he does what he does, but it could have I could have been healed, you know, or 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 liberated in one session if he wanted it, but I wouldn't have learned what I learned right. um, had I not gone through as many sessions as I did. And I there was a I, I needed I was a mess. I mean, I, I fully admit it. I was I was not I was not in a good place. I didn't have an identity in Christ. I I was living with just you know in a very interior dark place. So I really needed to be purified and it took time. Well, and I mean, and it was affecting your family, which gives you, you know, if that doesn't give you an added impetus to address something, nothing will. But I think the important thing people need to know is evil does exist, right? We live in a world that tries to say, you know, that's just to scare you. It's no big deal. You mentioned the children's book that's now out on, uh, on the demonic uh, you know, there's plenty of things out there that says, yeah, it's not that big a deal. And I think the main message for what we're talking about, one, it is real. Two, it affects your lives. And, and with you, it affected your family's life as well. Did it affect your husband at all? It did in the sense that when we when we started, when I finally said, because, again, this is like, think of it as a relationship. You're in an abusive relationship and you want to break up, but your abuser doesn't want to break up with you. So your abuser is going to do everything he can to try to keep you. Well, the tor- the tormenting and all of that started with me, but really then he was tormented too, as, as the kids were at one point or another. And a lot of it was just, you know, for me, I, I, I was lucky if I slept maybe an hour a night many times. It was just consistent, like shaking the bed and, and, and just harassment. And so when when they couldn't break me, they would go to him. And yeah. then when they couldn't break him, then temptation would happen with one of the children. And when, you know, so it, it, it really becomes like a, a family affair in that sense. So you have to really bond together as a family. And this is why the family unit is so powerful and so important because, um, you know, where one breaks, you know, it, it affects all of them. So um, and that's what was happening. So. Um, you can only conceal so much, you know, it's going to leak out into, into the rest of the family as, as you know, you go through the process and, and, and they get mad when you want to break that they'll sit quiet and they did for a long time. But when I said no more, God, take this away. I don't want this anymore. Right. Well, they don't want to, they don't want to leave because when they leave, that means they got to go back and answer to why they failed. Right. Right. Because really their, their job is to take you down and to go to hell, like that's all they care about. They want you dead, and they want you in hell. And when they lose, or are losing, they're going to fight to keep you. So, um, you know, and God allows this. God allows it so that we so that we learn to turn to Him and to build relationship with Him. And as one thing I learned is that I really felt the Lord 
continuously tell me, and he still does to this day, is that it needs to be a relationship, not a habit. Our faith is not something habitual that we just do, like praying, okay, the habit of prayer. Yes, we have to form habits, but God wants us to be in relationship with him. He is a, He is our, you know, you know, our lover and our creator and, and all these things. And he wants us to be in relationship with him. And, and as we grow in that relationship, we leave less room for evil to consume us. So. Yeah, and I think that's a good point, right? Religion is not just boxes we get to check off and say, okay, I checked them all off this week. I'm good. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it is relational, and I, I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the family part, right? What the family that prays together stays together was the old slogan in the 50s. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's really true. I mean, if the closer you are to Christ, the harder it is for the evil one to to play, but if if we're going to open ourselves up and have those portals of mortal sin, whether it's abortion, pornography, the occult, you know, we're welcoming evil into our lives when the Lord wants everything but that for us. He wants Him to be the sole focus. Right. That's right. And unfortunately, we live in a society where everything turns the focus away from Him. And it's, it's an egocentric type of world. You know, we start that way as children, but then we never really break that. So, so it's whatever feels good and whatever's okay for me is acceptable. You know, like nobody's accountable. Nobody tells anybody else what to do. Um, and the thing is, we, we do need to be accountable. Um, it, when, you know, again, it's that idea of dulling the senses. The evil one wants us to be dull. He doesn't want us to really be too um, sharp in our convictions or our understanding of things, because if we remain dull, it's easier for him to prey on us. And so it's, it's not remaining dull. It's staying sharp in your faith, you know, asking questions, you know, look, being prayerful, you know, not being afraid to speak about your faith, really teaching our children even to, to have convictions in that way and to not, to not go, um, you know, to go against the grain of what society is teaching them. It's, it's, it's a hard place. You know, the world is hard, but, you know, God wants us to be, you know, to thrive and to be joyful and, 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 and have a happy life. But that has to mean sometimes sacrificing other things for our own, um, you know, the safety of our soul. Right. And happiness and joy is found in the Lord. And I, I you know, you're right. You know, we're either growing in our relationship with Christ or we're dying. There's no staying still getting to the point where, you know what, I'm happy where I am. I'm just going to kind of camp out here for a while. And I think, you know, your point is that as you keep growing, then the evil one doesn't have any way to get a grasp of you because you're heading and doing the things you're supposed to do. It's when you kind of relax and let the world live by what the world's saying that you get in a big, big peck of trouble. <laughs> 